Hey friends, I'm Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a coach, a Bible teacher, and a local church leader. And I love talking to real people who know what it means to have full lives, but also want to walk in abundance. This podcast is for you. It's not my podcast, it's ours. It's for people who crave lighthearted conversations and deeply spiritual truth. It's for people who are busy, tired, waiting, growing, dreaming, working, or praying about what's next. Wherever you're listening from, if it's quiet, mundane, or busy, I am praying for you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 is one of the first verses I really memorized. It got implanted in my heart, and this kingdom principle has changed everything about the way I live and work and do ministry. Here's how the NLT version reads. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The best books— The best messages, the best ministries are all rooted in victory that's come out of weakness. It's been my honor to watch my husband and best friend Nick write and live out the truth of his book, Don't Give Up Just Yet. But to tell people that resilience is the way through weakness, you have to have wanted to quit yourself. So that's what this episode is about, the weakness behind the strength. If you've ever wanted to give up something that matters, this episode is for you. If you've ever felt defeated or discouraged to the point where you fantasize about shutting it down and walking away, this episode is for you. If you want to keep going, or even if you don't, this episode is for you. Nick Connolly, welcome to the podcast. Hi. That intro almost made me cry a little bit. Oh. I have tender feelings. It was a sweet intro. You're no stranger to the Jess Connolly podcast. You are not a stranger to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, the previous iteration of this podcast. podcast. I didn't want to say the word podcast again, but there it is. And I want to talk about that in a little bit. I want to talk about specifically the first episode you were ever on. We've talked about a little bit, but I want to ask you this first, because I actually don't know the answer to this question. Okay. And I'm a little embarrassed. Did you dream about writing a book? Like I'm like the story keeper in our family. And I don't know that this is a story I could tell. Like when did it become a desire and when did it become a reality? And did you ever dream about this? Absolutely not. Um, yeah. I got a 10-10 on my SAT, and my math carried me, and I'm really bad at math. And so to have <laughs> any type of writing, language, arts skills, I, I just didn't have any of that. And in fact, I, like one of my hardest core memories of high school is getting literally asked to step outside almost every day of my ninth grade English class because my teacher was like, you're, you're not doing it. You you can't do this. (laughs) Like it was was like, isn't this the English language, which it was a really hard class, but I just, for, so from that moment on, I think even all things school, I just wrote off. Um, and you know, writing is a part of school, but then I think once I got into, I guess, pastoral ministry and like preaching regularly, it was like, a, I, I loved the writing aspect of it. Like even, even the wrestle of when I didn't have anything to say or when I didn't know what I was going to say until like the morning of, I just always loved the writing portion of it. And so just fast forward to, I think it was probably 2018 or 19, you started kind of like talking to me about it and joking 
And I, I just, I never, ever, ever was on my radar. And then I think the more and more you started talking about it, and then our dear friend and our agent started talking a little bit about it and hinting at it. I think that was the first time I ever thought like, oh my gosh, like, would this be a thing? Would this be a thing? And then in the writing process, I think when I had this book, I, I was like, okay, this is a book. And I never thought about writing another book, but then in the writing process and then, then working with my publisher and, and all the things I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I really do like this yeah. and I wish I got to do it more. And I know part of that is just the stage of life that we've been in the last few years and me needing to be more disciplined, but I really do wish I could write more. I don't know that you need to be more disciplined. I live with you. I think you might be the most disciplined person I know. <laughs> maybe writing disciplines. Mm, maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Okay. I want to like hard left turn and go back to 2018. So I'll set the stage, but then I want you to kind of unpack. So again, before this podcast was called the Jess Connolly podcast, it was called the Go and Tell Gals podcast. Go and Tell Gals was started in 2018. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, around then. Right. Okay. Just had to catch myself. Maybe in in mind before. Yeah. Easter 2018 was the day I like got the Instagram handle Go and Tell Gals and bought the domain Go and Tell Gals because it was Easter morning that I read John 20 and I was like, oh, Jesus tells Mary to go and tell. This is something we can tell all women. So it wasn't until that fall that we started the podcast, but in fall 2018, it really did feel like our life was falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> we've had really rough seasons. And if anybody's listened to the past couple episodes of the podcast, you know, we just walked through a really rough season, but nothing touched that. Like that was a level of defeat for me. And maybe it wasn't for you, but I would say fall 2018 for me was like the, one of the lowest parts of my adult life. And I will say specifically relating to don't give up just yet. I've told people this, I've probably even said it on the podcast, but I was continually in my head writing an Instagram post, like drafting an Instagram post in my head, telling people that we are closing the church. Yeah. I had the language and I had the words so that if you came to me and said like, we're good, we're done, that I was like, thank God I've got the post ready. I know exactly what to say yeah. to tell people that we're packing it up. A lot of that pain was kind of like centered around what was happening in the church. But I just think in general, it was just like a very rough time. It was also when I was starting Go and Tell Gals. And at the time, Go and Tell Gals was just Go Teams and the podcast. And I think it was like episode three or four. It was really soon into the podcast. Maybe eight. I'll look it up. The kitchen table podcast. Yeah. Like we were at the kitchen we table. We did. We recorded it at our kitchen table. The sound quality is really bad, but we'll link <laughs> to it if you want to go listen to it. It's long. Like we hit record and just kind of like bled out. Yeah. But in that podcast episode, you kind of famously, I say famously because it changed my life, changed our family's life, and really became, I think, one of the biggest building blocks for Don't Give Up Just Yet. That was the seed. Yeah. Was people's responses. Yeah. You said, the calling is not mine to quit. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that season, what it actually felt like. Because I think also when we, again, we're talking about like, okay, this beautiful strength came out of this weakness. This victory came out of this hard season. I don't want to get so anesthetized to the reality of how gross that was, like how painful it was, yeah. you know? Will you talk a little bit about that season, how you felt? Yeah. 
let me back up because I think the other interesting thing that you said was was how that 2018 for us was a really, 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 really hard time. But like, if you step back and look at things, there were like really, really, really hard times before that. Yeah. And, and so one of the things that I've noticed is that there are moments in our lives where it feels like things are unraveling in, I don't even know what to call it, but, but the, I feel like the fruit of it is discouragement. And so it's, it's like when things aren't working out, things aren't going okay. It feels like everything you try, it's a closed door. It feels like you're, you're going uphill barefooted in pluff mud and you just cannot put another foot forward. And then there are times where things just hit the fan and they're out of your control and you have no idea what's going on, but you really are at the mercy of something greater that's happening. And so even just recently with my health stuff, like that was hard, but I felt so out of control and I felt so just put back on my heels that I was like, I think I was on my knees quicker. Whereas the other season I was like, okay, I'm trying to stand up. Like I'm trying to fight back. I'm trying. And so it produced a discouragement in me. Whereas I think this last season was like really a a despair defeat type thing. It was just another level. And, but for whatever reason, discouragement feels like the paper cut, which feels like it's more annoying hardship and trials. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like, why is this happening? How dare God, how could he? And, and so for, for 2018, I felt like it was, there was a lot of relational things that were happening within the church. I mean, we, we, the church like literally shrunk by over 60%, maybe more. I mean, it would just, we were just bleeding in all the ways we were trying to launch this Monday night service that we were going to do for our, our city because our city's full of food and bev hospitality people. And we went big. Like it was the first time we had gone big as a church. I felt like I had played small up until that point, like in calling and in plan. I, I just was, I, I was scared. And this was the first time where it was like, let's do this thing. Yeah. And so we got like the local music venue, like just really was, were strategic about it. Yeah. And a hurricane came on the weekend that we were supposed to launch this thing. And so again, it was just, there was just so many things that weren't working. It felt like everything wasn't working. And I know that wasn't true because there was a lot of beautiful, there were a lot of beautiful things happening in our life, but it just felt like we were working against everything on every level at every moment in all of life. Okay. As you were just talking, I feel like I made an interesting observation about myself. And I'm curious to hear, I think you might be different than me in this. And so I think people might be encouraged to hear the different sides of it. So when you said that, that was a really important thing to say. 2018 was really hard for us, but that was like on paper, that wasn't the hardest season Mm, of our life. No, I mean, we've had other seasons where we've experienced poverty and housing insecurity, and we've lost people really close to us. We've lost a baby, Yes, you know, on paper, there were harder moments. Yes. I think that why 2018 was the hardest for me is because I felt like it was my fault. Yeah. It wasn't happening to me. That was the differential I was trying to get at is I think there, like there are things when you experience lost or those are out of your control. Like I didn't, I didn't do this. Yeah. Whereas the other stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, I am messing up my life. Yeah. And maybe we can both say like, for me, what was happening in 2018 with our church, et cetera, it, it was almost harder because there, if you're like, oh, what did she do? 
<laughs> like, it wasn't your It would have been easier if I had done one thing wrong or two things wrong or five things wrong that I could say, oh my gosh, I need to repent and turn yes. from these things. But it was more like I felt like the culmination of who I was had not added up. I was not enough. I wasn't enough for people. I wasn't a good enough leader. I wasn't a good enough friend. I like wasn't sufficient. You can't repent from being like, just not enough for people, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh yeah. Worth noting, this is whatever, two years after I've written the book, always enough, never too much, (laughs) literally. Like literally wrote the book on it, you know? I think for me, that season was so dark and we've talked about this, so nobody gets scared that this is our therapy session right now. But I think (laughs) because you were so discouraged that I thought if he had another wife, if he had another pastor's wife, if there was another woman by his side, like this wouldn't have happened to him. He wouldn't be walking through this. And none of that was true. And I think even as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think, I, so there is pain, pain. And then there's like pruning and then that can be painful. And I think it was an intense season of pruning. And it was, and you know, the hard part about pruning is like, you can see it, you sometimes expect it. And even when you see it, expect it and know it's not quote unquote your fault. It just, it feels like your fault. It feels confusing. It feels like God's not in it. It feels like it just, it's a whole different level of processing and pain. And I don't, I don't know why. I I really don't know why. But I think, I think if I had to differentiate between the two, you know, sometimes there are incredible seasons of loss that are far past pruning and then there's pruning and it's like, man, it, it just feels like you're getting worked on every level. Yeah. And it's hard. You know, another thing as we're talking about this that I want to capture is I think probably why you have so much authority with this book in this season. And you talk about this a lot for us, that it was something that marks our ministry, our life, our work, is that we want to provide for other people what we didn't have. Yes, So even what was so marking about you and I hitting record that day and you saying the calling isn't mine to quit is that no one was saying that to you. No one. No one was coming to you and saying, Nick, this calling is not yours to quit. What God started, he will finish. We were just in a pretty bleak season where I think the people who really loved us and wanted to be on our team were so tender towards us. And if we had said, we're thinking about quitting, they would have said, you're in so much pain. Like we'll help you. That's not a deficiency of them. I think they just saw this season of the church was so painful for us that I think they would have said like, you've done a good job. You can take a break, you know, and that wouldn't have been God's best for us. And so there was so much victory in you saying this calling is not mine to quit because no one was saying it to you. And I just acknowledge that there are so many people listening right now who no one is saying to them, like this season of motherhood is trying to take you out. (laughs) And even just by being in it, you are experiencing victory or going to your job one more day when you feel like your head's going to pop off. I'm so proud of you. God's mighty in you. The calling isn't yours to quit or your marriage feels like you're at the end of your absolute rope and it will never come back to life. I think that's why probably you have so much victory right now because you can say to those people what you needed to hear. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think even you saying that is just so good for people to know too, is because I think not that this is bad or wrong in any way, shape or form, but I, I think, you know, sometimes a lot of pastors write pastoral books 
but this is not a pastoral book. This is a life book. I just happen to be one of my responsibilities just happens to be my nine to five of, of church. And so I think this book is written from a place of all of life, no matter what you're doing, no matter how you're doing it, the message is, is for all of it. And I think, you know, what you said is, is it's beautiful in that I get to come alongside of people and encourage them in this season but then looking back, I, you know, I had a few voices that were like one time, almost like a B12 shot. Like it was like, I just had a few instrumental like interactions with people that were like, okay, this was the B12 shot that I needed to get through the week or get through the day even. Like it wasn't even get through the, you know, I think people, especially within, you know, leadership circles, it's all about the vision and keeping the five year, 10 year, you know, whatever it is, like times of pain and hardship in where you are experiencing resistance on every level, you're just trying to get through the day. Like you're just trying to get through the moment. And so even in the book, it's like, we're just trying to get through this page. Like we're going to turn this page, we're going to read this page and we're going to get to the next page. And that is what life is like. And so I, not, I didn't really have anyone walking with me, encouraging me other than you and telling me, you know, to keep going. I think people were kind of waiting to see if, if I was going to quit or if we were going to walk away. Mm -hmm. And I just remember having three verses. I mean, there was just the three verses and I recited mm -hmm. over and over again. It was Galatians 6, 9. It was Philippians 1, 4. And then it was First uh, Thessalonians 5, 24. And I just kept reciting those verses over and over again. I was like, all right, if, if Jesus hasn't come back, he's being confident of this, that he's doing a good work in me. Until I see him again, he's he's still working in me and through me. First Thessalonians five twenty four says the one who calls you is faithful; he will do it. And so I was like, Lord, I, I, you got you called me into this. You're going to get me through it. And so, and I felt that on every angle of every avenue of our life at that moment. And then you know, with Galatians six nine, is that if we do not give up, we will reap a harvest in due time. And I was like, well, I, I want to see the harvest because I think one of the hardest parts could have been going through all the hard and not reaping the harvest. Yeah. And so it's like going to your nine to five and putting in the hours, but not getting the paycheck. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I didn't, I don't want that. Like I, I wanted, we had just put in already so many years of blood, sweat and tears in a lot of areas of life. And I was like, man, I, I want to, I want to see the harvest. Like I want to see God's promises and I want to see, you know, the quote unquote spiritual payoff that he had. And so I think those were the things that, helped me. And so now, you know, this side of it, you know, we're still in hard times and challenging times because that's, that's the norm of this life. But I want to see the payoff. I want to see the harvest. I want to see what God's doing on the other side of it, because just to go through the pain or just to go through the hardship and then the hardship of maybe I did walk away, you know, that, that has its own grief too. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to double grieve, grieve if I have to, like, I want to, mm. I want to push through and be able to see what God has for me. Gosh, that's a whole word. What, what would you have missed out on if you had given up? Yeah, I think, and I actually conclude the book with this just because I think the other part is like you write a book or do the work and you're like, okay, so now look at, look at me now, which, you know, is kind of how our culture works now is, you know, we're, we're following people who do these five things and then they have a million followers with a million properties and a million timeshares by 
two years or, you know, whatever the deliverables are, but the, the spiritual realm doesn't work like that. And so you, you have to have different eyes to see the spiritual world in a different way. And so f- for me, I mean, we would have, we would have missed out on the relationships. We would have missed out on like God's power being at work in us and through us. I had someone say one time, which was so true that the first five years of our church, which was the dream. So I'll just say, whatever you're doing, you think it's about the thing that you're doing, but it's actually about the work that's happening in you. And so I probably would have missed the work being done in me. And I think God still would have refined me. It just would have delayed and prolonged the process. But I I saw God do an incredible work in me of softening and, and just changing my heart in so many ways. I think just seeing the like spiritual fruit within our community of people who you know, our heart is for our community to be an outpost of grace for people, however long they're here. And so we've been able to see people come in and, and cycle through and experience incredible growth in their life. I think it's been incredible for our kids, like just yeah. to be able to see that you don't throw in the towel when things get hard or when you experience resistance, like you've, you've got to figure out a different way. I just think there is something satisfying just to be able to say, man, like we just celebrated 10 years as a church. You're like, man, I, I did something for 10 years mm-hmm. besides like eat or breathe. Like I, <laughs> like I did, I did something for, for 10 years. God did something in me for 10 years worth of time. And, you know, I think we live in a, in a culture and a world where the norm of duration is like 1.5 years. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm here for 1.5 and then I'm on to the, you know, and, and so I just, it's just incredible to see like what happens when you just stay put and it doesn't mean you're standing every day and it doesn't mean that you want to be there every day. And it doesn't mean that even give your full self every day. (laughs) It just means that you're not tapping out. Hey friends, I want to make sure that you know that the doors to sign up for go teams are open right now. Go Teams is the group coaching program that I've been hosting for the last five years for women who are called to small business, writing, communicating, or ministry. I am obsessed with the amount of women that we have seen come through Go Teams and experience wild fruit in their calling. If you think you might be called to one of those areas or you're interested in them, or if you're already moving in writing small business, ministry, or communicating, and you want to grow, Go Teams is for you. It's six weeks of intensive coaching with me and industry experts. We make sure that every single question you have gets answered. If we don't know the answer, we find someone who does. And on top of all of that, you get an incredible team of women to walk with as long as you want, who also feel called to the same thing. See the link in my show notes and go ahead and sign up for Go Teams because the doors are open and they won't be open long. We'd love to have you. In the book, you talk a lot about befriending resistance. And I told you in the most recent episode you were on, we talked a little bit about life inventory. We talked about what was going on in our life, hard season you just went through, where you went away to a counseling intensive for six days and we couldn't talk and it was unbearable, but so fruitful for you. But I told you when you were gone, I read your whole book. I read it within about 36 hours of you being gone. (laughs) I think 
before that, I've read every word of Don't Give Up Just Yet. I've just read it segmented. Mm-hmm. I've read it like, and hey, will you read this chapter? Or, you know, you know, like manuscript form. <laughs> <laughs> but sitting down and reading it, like start to finish while you were gone, I was so blown away. And I was really blown away by the concept of befriending resistance. And was it's wild like watching you walk through the season having had read parts of the book you know in different like avenues but sitting down and reading it i was like i think the idea of befriending resistance might change my life mm. i think it might actually be like a very big missing key to my growth in a lot of different areas because my personal bend, my personality, my flesh, and even maybe like some of how God's made me spiritually in beautiful ways is I do not want things to be hard. And it's not like I want a life of comfort. It's like, I just want abundance. So I want, I want the fullness. I don't want the hard. And some of it I think is like a trauma response to having walked through hard seasons that I'm like, I can't ever do that again. I can't do pain again. But reading the book gave me like a new lens on doing hard things and moving through hard seasons that even I didn't have walking through those seasons with you. Will you talk a little bit about befriending resistance? Yeah. Well, first just you sharing that part about, you know, not wanting resistance. I mean, I think that that is the, like we're, we're wired for the garden. Yeah. It's human. It's beautiful. Our souls are, are wanting garden and we've got, sometimes a little bit of garbage of this world. And, and, you know, we're on the way to a city that God's preparing for us that will ultimately fulfill that ache that in that desire that we have. But in the meantime, you know, John 16, 33 says that in this world, we will have hard things happen. We will have resistance. I think he says troubles. And then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world and overcome the things that you'll experience in this world. And so for me, I and I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I became so offended by resistance. I just was like, God, how could you? How dare you? Like, do you know what I'm out here on these streets like trying to do and, <laughs> and like live for you and and serve you? And and I found myself getting offended by God. And I think anytime I'm offended by God, I'm probably not in a right posture with God. And so God really had to work on my heart in that way. And so what came out of that is, is the befriending resistance. Well, you know, I think a lot of times we think the, the social media perfection feed is the, like how life is, or like this, this is how it should be. And sometimes we're like, man, if their life is that way, I'm, I'm experiencing resistance over here. And what I'm what I'm trying to argue or what I'm trying to graciously say is that, hey, actually resistance is the norm. Like when you are in the kingdom of God doing the king's work and trying to live out the heart of the father, then resistance is the norm. That hurts my feelings, but I'm <laughs> glad you said it. But but it helps you get your head around it to know number one, I'm gonna be very grateful for seasons of peace because there there are seasons of peace where it's like, oh, this, this feels a little more easier than it, than it has been. And then also it helps you know that you're going to find peace in the midst of the storm. 
and that, that there are times where life is going to feel like there's a storm on every front and that there is peace in that as well. And so it just not helps. not a second book coming. <laughs> Let's get this first one out first. <laughs> but I, I just, I think if we can really get our hearts around to resistance being the regular thing in life, then we can get our hearts around, all right, God, it needs to be my regular comfort in those moments. And, you know, James uh, 1 verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces something in us. And so I really, and I talk about this in the book too, is I, I really wrestle with that consider it pure joy. It's like, am I out here like trying to look for resistance? Is that how it works? And and I think what what I came away from that or what I felt like God spoke to me in that was, he actually says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of any kind. And that brother sister thing, it just it just helped me see that I, and confirm that I'm a son of God in the yeah. family of God. Yeah. And it's not that people don't experience resistance in the world. It just means that when you are following Jesus and when you are living a life trying to pursue the heart of God, like there is a resistance that is in your life. There is an enemy that is after our souls. And I just, I needed a moment to just say, man, I'm just grateful that I'm a part of the family. Like I know it means that I've got a target on my back. I know that it means that I'm going to experience a resistance that will be different than some people in this world, but I'm actually going to see it as confirming rather than some sort of conflict in my life or conflict of faith as it's actually the confirmation of my faith. Come on. Ooh, I walked into our bedroom this morning. You were reading your Bible, and I was like, "Okay, I just finished the Book of Job." And I told Which you, "Which is you need an applause for that." That's <laughs> great job. This reading of the Book of Job, I can't get over it. I can't get over how much it unpacked the rest of Scripture for me, and how much theology I found in this reading that I haven't found in any other time I've read it. And maybe it's being in seminary, but like this one piece, and I'm sorry, I can't quote the exact verse, but like there's so much good theology in that there's bad theology in Job. And so Mm -hmm. when you know what's good theology and what's bad theology, what's people talking about God saying things they shouldn't be saying, and what's people talking about God like in a helpful way, there's this one part where Basically, you know, Job's friends are giving him a false gospel over and over and over again. They are really sometimes twisting theology in a bad way. And sometimes they're like speaking untrue things about God, which really helps us understand scripture because we're like, it's God breathed, you know, it's infallible. But we have to understand like, right, it's God breathed. It's all available for us. But there's parts of scripture that are actually untrue things about God. Oh, yeah. That someone else is saying, that a human is saying. So if we were to read even like a verse from one of Job's friend's scripts and we like gave it to someone, it would be bad theology. Anyways, all that being said, they're basically giving him this prosperity gospel where they're saying like, you obviously did something wrong because there's pain in your life. And Job's like, shut it. Stop. <laughs> Stop saying that. And then there's this one part where Job says, are you confused? Because the wicked win all the time. Mm-hmm. Like the wicked win all the time. But then he, it's so beautiful because he says, but do you know what? But then they die and they leave nothing behind. Mm-hmm. But there's not this false gospel of like karma. That's like, well, they're going to get theirs. They may not. They yeah. might die rich and happy, but that's it. Yeah. You know, that's it. There's no legacy. There's no eternal life. There's no eternal whatever. So I just want to say that about people who are struggling about resistance. Like, 
as brothers and sisters of God, it's not like we have some, you know, cosmic target on our back and like the Lord's just like, I'm going to mess with my kids, you know, but it is like, right. Well, there is going to be resistance because we're trying to see eternal fruit because this is it for us. Like if we don't believe in Jesus, you know, but for those of us who are in Christ, there's so much more after that. So anyways, that's my mini sermon about Job, <laughs> but preach. I wanted to say one other thing. Okay. This is a weird metaphor, but when you were talking just now about considerate pure joy, James one, I have to talk about the cold plunge. Mm. Okay. So, you know, I'm very into cold plunging. Your plunge is Arctic. Yeah. I would say you and I have said this out loud. The most surprising thing for me about 2023 is that I became a cold plunger Mm -hmm. and it's surprising because I hate the cold. I have an autoimmune disease that makes me cold all the time. I literally hate the cold. And I don't know, but like something clicked in my head and I was like, I'm going to be a cold plunger. I just had done the research for long enough that I was like, I know that this is what is going to happen in my life. So I'm going to do it. So I didn't just like kind of play around with it. I like went for it and I started cold plunging three or four times a week. The cold plunge that I go to at my gym is anywhere from like 32 to 36 degrees. It's very cold. I stay in for two to three minutes a couple of times a week, but something shifted for me in my like mental experience of what was happening. So I think I told you this around the fall, like probably when it started to get a little chilly in Charleston, I was like, oh, this isn't really fun anymore. Like it's not like a sunny day (laughs) where I'm getting in cold water. Now it's actually like a cold gray day or it's raining or it's dark outside when I go to cold plunge. I don't want to do it anymore. And so I had to kind of work on my mental story about, you know, why am I doing this and what happens when I, when I do it. So the thing about cold plunging that's a little bit different from trials is that like, it's actually not necessarily painful. It's shocking and it's irritating, I would say, and it's jarring, but it's not like causing me emotional pain, Mm -hmm. but it is producing something in me. It is like producing a shift in me. And so I told you that when I get in, when I feel the icy cold water envelop my body, I had to start saying like, this is a hug. This is a, this is like a, this is an embrace. Yeah. And I had to say like, this is producing something in you. It's fighting inflammation. It's helping your mental health. It's doing all these things. But when you were talking about considering it pure joy and befriending resistance, it's also a little bit how I think that we could see trials Mm -hmm. if we wanted to. Oh, absolutely. You know, we could say like, not like gaslighting ourselves, but being so sure that God will not waste pain in our life that when it comes small or big, that we would say, hold on, this is good for me. Yeah, there is something being produced that is going to be incredibly beautiful. And it's not, I'm not trying to be trite. I just like, you just, there's a lot of road tested stories in this world and in our scriptures that, that prove that to be true. And so- and what's the other it. option? Yeah. What's the other option? You just hate it. Yeah. You just hate pain because the pain's coming. <laughs> yes. But it's also what I love about God. I mean, even going back to your thing, your point about Job is like, he's allowing both soundtracks to sing through the Bible. And so you're getting these soundtracks of people who are like wrestling with God's sovereignty, but also saying like, man, this is really hard. This is really tough. I don't like this. I I actually wish that this wasn't happening. And so what I love about God is he is like getting something in us that is being produced and, and is going to withstand the test of time. And he allows us to ebb and flow out of both. And so he's allowing us to see the Job's friends of, of the scriptures to say, number one, like they're, 
I mean, I think going back to me writing this book because it's the book that I needed when I like nobody was like people were actually like some of my hardest times in my life had like some of the hardest interactions with dear friends in my life. Yeah. And and they were a little bit like Job's friends. And I was like, I want to be something different than Job's friends for people who are going through hard times. And so what I love about scripture is I feel like God allows all of the emotions to be able to be felt in us. But I think what the end product and the end goal is, is, but I'm trusting you, God. I'm believing that you are producing a harvest in these hard trials. I believe that if I can just befriend resistance, then I can click into another, I'm probably, you know, how you do your cold plunge. Like you just, you go to a different level in you, in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. And so even in our relationships and interactions and friendships within the church, like, you know, early on, like the slightest issue would send us into a tailspin. And now it's like, Oh, we'll see. Like, we'll see what God does. Like, we'll see. Like we've seen this before. Like we've seen this movie, like we've seen this play. Yeah. And so I think going back to your cold plunge analogy is, is that's what it is. It's the, we'll see, like, we'll see what, God does. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, a pastor that we know, you know, has been a great influence to our lives. He always says, be slow to put a label on it. And I think we're so quick to put labels on things like this is the worst. It's going to be the end of me. And, you know, we have to be, the, you know, we have to let the story of God play out because if we're still standing, he's not done. Come on. I don't want to talk about this, but we should. Can you touch really quickly on silence or the perceived silence of Ooh, God, because yeah. you talk about this in the book. And again, it kind of hurts my feelings, but I think it's helpful. Yeah. I think one of the hardest things about hard seasons is that not only are you going through something that is really difficult, it does feel like God seems to be a little more silent or a little more absent or a little more just unavailable it almost feels like. And I think part of that is is when you have these incredible moments in your life where you're jumping into the deep end of faith and you're jumping into all that God has for you, those are exciting moments. And so even with us moving here and us any type of endeavor that we've ever started, those are the exciting moments is you just you're filled with such vision, you're filled with such faith. You just have all the things running through your body. Then you jump into the thing and you're like, man, where was the God who got me here? Mm -hmm. Like it feels so silent. And so even with, with our church, I mean, there would be, I think when I wasn't doing ministry, I had sermon ideas for days. And then when I got into ministry, I was like, God, are you even like, is this thing on? Like, are you here? And, and so it, it was really difficult. And then there have been times when, when we were just going through hard things. And I was like, God, I feel like you're more silent now than than ever. And one of the shifts that I, that really helped me was it was really, you know, we were, you know, a month and a half out of, out of Christmas or a month out of Christmas. And sometimes I feel like Christmas feels so far and fleeting from, you know, the year of January because January feels so long, but we celebrate this God with us and this God in us. And so for me, it was a huge shift to really practice that and believe that, that it wasn't like I can hear from God because God is with me at all times. And so it helped me have faith in the moment versus having fear or discouragement because of what I perceived was happening. But what I believe is that God in, is in me and with me. The actual 
God, the spirit of God is, is at work in me. And so I can access and hear God at all times at every moment. And, you know, even when it feels like he's silent, he's still with me and in me. Yeah. That's really good. That's really helpful. Doesn't change the feeling. I think people who do feel like God is being silent with them are going to find a lot of kindness and compassion and don't give up just yet. And I would just say you and I, like, especially in seasons where you have said that to me, like, I feel like God's silent. I'm like, not really sensing what he's saying right now. I kind of live on the other end of the spectrum where I'm like, no, he's always talking. Like, (laughs) we just have to listen better. So if you're one of those people, maybe don't do that. When someone (laughs) is telling you they feel like God is silent, maybe be more compassionate. I think people will be really encouraged by that. The last thing I want to talk about is you are such a dreamer. You are so vision centric. I don't even want to say you're such a dreamer because like to me, calling somebody a dreamer like connotates to they don't do things like they just (laughs) dream, but like you dream and then you a lot of times see things to fruition that you dream about and vision is a really important part of how you lead and how you stay healthy but obviously in seasons where you want to give up you sometimes don't feel like dreaming the truth is i don't think most people do dream in general in hard seasons or good seasons mm-hmm. i think that we've like lost the muscle and i think that we get stuck in the maintenance of our lives that sometimes we don't even ask why am i maintaining this life is it even what i wanted like we're just working so hard, like literally logistically in our vocations, but also just in the way that we maintain our lives that we don't maybe pause and say like, what am I working to keep? Like, why am I working to keep this? So I don't even think that a lot of us like take time to dream, but will you just talk a little bit about the importance of dreaming, the importance of vision as it pertains to resistance and what you do if you're like, there's literally no way I couldn't if I tried right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there were really, really hard days where I, I really do feel like the dream was the only thing that got me through. Yeah, It was like, I see something different than the moment that I'm sitting in. Like, yeah. I, I see something different than the current reality that we're experiencing. And so I believe it's from God. I perceive it to be what he has for our lives. And so in order for me to get to what I see, I have to be able to endure what the suffering is in the moment. And so for me, it was such an incredible tool. And so the book is laid out in three sections. It's befriending resistance. It's outlasting the onslaught, which is there. We just walked through seven different things that are themes in our lives that are going to happen on some level in some form. And so I'm trying to give people just, you know, new eyes and new visions to see how resistance is happening in their life. And then the last one is choosing persistence. And one of the things that I know is, is persistence is a choice. And one of the ways that we can choose persistence is through dreaming. Yeah. And so when you read the scriptures, not only do we we read about, you know, Joseph dreaming and we read about some of Daniel's dreams and, uh, you know, even in Acts, it talks about how the early church would be marked by those who dream. One of the things that I see as a theme throughout the Psalms in the prophetic literature is the dreaming specifically when the people of Israel were in exile. And one of the things that I have felt in my own life is that any type of resistance or hardship in my life feels like almost an exile. Mm -hmm. It feels like I'm in a foreign land. It feels like I'm wandering in the wilderness. It feels like there's just something happening that is not the reality of what God has for me. And that's what exile was for the people of God as they were 
foreigners in a foreign land who desperately longed for the promised land. And so over and over and over again, God would give his people dreams. And then when they returned, it was, they said, we were like those who dreamed. Our hearts were filled with laughter. And it was this moment where they had realized the thing that they had dreamed for had come to fruition. And so I think when I look at the scriptures, I think it was the dreaming that got the people of God through the 70 years of hardship in Babylon. Like it was the dreams of being back in the promised land that helped them keep going. And so I know that there is a double meaning in that for us as believers on this side of the cross is that we will never fully be in the promised land until we're in the city of God with God. But on this planet, on this earth, he has a purpose for us. He has a destiny for us. He has things for us on this planet to do. And I think part of us getting to that place is never giving up on the dream. And so whatever the dream is, whatever the dream is in your heart, your life might feel furthest from the dream right now, but that does not negate the dream that God has in your heart. Thank you, God. We are reading Don't Give Up Just Yet for our Leaders, Our Learners book club. I am going to be rereading it again in the month of February. Nick is going to be giving us kind of some fresh insight from questions you guys have about the book. I would love for you to join the Leaders Are Learners book club and read Don't Give Up Just Yet with me. I absolutely believe it's going to change our lives. Nick, will you pray for anyone who might be reading this book or might just have listened to this episode before we head out? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Father, I just pray for anyone who is is just in the fight of their life right now. And, and I just pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would be for them. I pray that they would know that you are with them and for them and the proof is in Jesus. And so God, I just, I just pray that you would comfort those of us who are, are, who are fighting in every little battle and every big battle. Uh, Father, I pray that your presence would be tangible and near. And God, we just pray for the persistence to see the payoff on the other side. God, you have a harvest that's ahead of this hard trial. And God, our eyes are on the harvest and, and you are Lord of the harvest. And I just think it's so incredible that you promise us Jesus and you promise us harvest on this planet and that we get to experience both of those things. God, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending time with me. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at Jess A. Connolly or head to my website, JessConnolly.com for more ways to connect. If you have a minute to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would massively help us reach more people with the good news that they can live fully awake. Let's go. Let's go.